welcome to Article 23, the podcast all about making work work. We want to start, as we always do, acknowledging the land on which we're recording today. We're coming to you from the Gadigal land, part of the Eora Nation, and we acknowledge and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, and our gratitude for their care of this land for thousands of years. We are respecting the week of silence, as requested last Saturday from Reconciliation Australia and many other First Nations people, and noting that we're here as we're useful to you. So for the future, when we're no longer in a week of silence, let's talk about what we can do. Now down to the podcast. I'm Rhonda Brighton-Hall and alongside me as always is James Hancock. Welcome. Hi Rhonda, good to be here. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah. Good. I'm good. Um, It's a wild old week and so we're going to stick to the podcast in our agenda as opposed to the world right now. So three big topics. First one is we're going to talk about the value of silence. I left the pause to be silent. I yep, saw that. Very clever. <laughs> no one else could see that. But there you go. No one was there. Could have gone for 10 minutes, but it would have been pretty boring for the podcast. Then we're going to talk about working hard, which I think is a topic that doesn't get talked about enough. It does not. And the last one, the good news story, is we're going to talk about a really cool thing that happened this week and the difference that we make. So I love that. Sounds yeah. good. Thank okay. you. I'm excited about it. So first of all, silence. So last Saturday, as the referendum results became clear, here in Australia. There was a widely shared Reconciliation Australia, Rachel Perkins, many others, asking for a week's silence to reflect, to heal, to think. And in doing so, they literally stopped the post-mortem, both for yes and for no. And I thought it was incredibly powerful and, in my view, typical of the wisdom of Australia's first people. Yeah, I was. you know I've been thinking about that one too. We both have about silence and I did put a few words down this week I realized we're doing that very respectfully and like you say not a post-mortem but about how we're so tuned to needing to speak opposed to needing to listen or be silent to reflect and so I've tried to put the essence of that down you did it's Um, a really it's a really nice blog yeah one of the things that I found with it is that people rushed to have very big opinions yeah and I found them quite confronting because i I couldn't. I didn't know what to say. I had no words, and yeah. you know, obviously being friends of mine who were Aboriginal, but and saying they're okay. But other than that, I didn't really have anything to say. I, I was like, I was overwhelmed. But yeah, the I silence agree. makes you think. Yeah, it does. It does. But I think the other reflection is that as you are deliberate on silence, sometimes it leaves space for other conversations or other views to pop up that just don't have a place in my opinion and we saw a few of those so the one that you know we scribbled down here I talk about it in the article is I'm not I'm not going to pick on I'm not going to name her but the wife of the rear CEO or former CEO an example of someone who doesn't know how to not talk no and that's to her great detriment (laughs) to be honest and I'm happy that can go anywhere you want it to go but just someone that's removed from everyday society (laughs) probably has quite a filtered view and quite a limited view of Australian society and what it means, then decided to be the one to comment after um, such an enormous event and overwhelming outcome. Yeah. Bad, bad, obviously lack of empathy, can't read a room, Mm. etc. My grandma used to to call it people with tin ears. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure she has ears at all, but if if she does, they're made of tin. Probably probably made of platinum or something that Rio digs up. But okay. It was a really weird, wasn't it? And I think it was a really interesting juxtaposition for everyone else being silent. Yeah. That was actually quite interesting to see 
the reflection points, the lessons, the calmness with which those conversations were not happening because people were just deeply digging a bit deeper, not just blurting out something. Yes. And then she blurted something out. That wouldn't have had a space even in a week of um, uh, shouting Ever. about stuff, you know, like <laughs> the opposite of silence. It wouldn't have had a space, but somehow it found one that week. Um, bad read from the media, bad read from the individual. Yeah, I agree with that. But back to that silence, not yeah. that her. Yeah. Back done. to the silence. I just wanted to say thank you to the people who put the note out and said, let's be silent for a week. I thought it was really good. Yeah. So a few more days of it. And I, I don't think we needed to have big opinions on anything. We could just literally sit as a yeah. country and we needed to do that. That's Value cool. of hard work. Oh my God. <laughs> this, this is such an interesting This topic. is a funny conversation because we've yeah. got, it came up a couple of times because it, it's, it's a hu- very human piece. That when we work really, really, really hard at something and it works Mm -hmm. or we achieve something, it feels fantastic. And we do love that accountability of achievement and success and everything else. Equally, it can happen, you know, and it happened to you on the weekend. (laughs) You did this massing gardening, fence building, painting um, expose in your back garden. But you came back on Monday, you could barely walk. Yeah. But you were so proud. And it was actually, it wasn't even last week, it was one before and I still can't walk. So that's that's a bit of my fitness, but you're right. It's like the sense of satisfaction, um, etc. The motivation you have to find to go through this job that is literally the most medial task in the world. Mm. I have great respect for painters, etc. Mm. Having done it. Mm. But, but I'm, I'm a massive yeah. uh, chainsaw advocate and I love hedging. And uh, so the, the, when you get the big industrial strength uh, gardening equipment, yeah, I do love that feeling of looking back at the garden, going, "Look at that hedge! It is awesome," and and it's a good feeling and physical hard work. Yeah. But the correlation from <laughs> that, which yeah. everyone can appreciate, because we've all done everyone's it, everyone's done that, a bit yeah. of yard work that we really love. Yeah. But then we come across when we talk about our conversations with industrial relations, and this was a really interesting view for you. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, because I think the sides of this conversation. Like all of the press or all of the HR headspace, whatever you want to call that, is about industrial relations. Yep. The way, I, the way I look at it, we're not really talking about culture or doing great work or anything else. No. We're talking about industrial settings and we're also talking about, we're just talking about work patterns and stuff opposed to does the work add anything or create economic <laughs> value? Does it make you feel good? None of that. Did painting the fence make you feel good? No. Getting the job done? Yes. Yes. Can't talk about that. Yes. And from the very first start, Article 23, name this yeah. podcast, yeah. the reason that work is a human right is because it's our contribution. It's our contribution to society. It's our participation yeah. in the economy. It's our right to be part of the collective. Yeah. And that's where we've seen the industrial settings and the conversation about work go into this. We know this psychosocial risk factors, etc., yep. which is basically putting cotton wool and everything around people to do as little as possible the way I look at it like there's real protections that are maybe overkill yeah um, as in I say overkill good in some cases however stop people from making like we're not talking about contribution in there or doing anything good we're only talking about protecting bad um, but that's not the conversation people at work really care about nor leaders care about no and it's quite polarised the conversation so the conversation one that we have with a lot of people because we don't just spend our time with industrial relations people we very rarely that, spend our time with them. Yeah. <laughs> I do like There's them. There's lovely people, great but friends. I'm like, thankfully, <laughs> yes. I think 40 hours a week would be a lot. With them, but um, respectfully, um, it's nice to work with broad groups of people. First one is all about, I want to talk about the work that I do because I love it. Yes. And we see that in every case, whether it's a yes. nuclear scientist that you spoke to in the week, a banker, yeah, a baker, cool. a butcher, 
someone painting a fence. An architect. They actually like their job. Lawyer. They like their job. Yeah, they, like they do. They like doing the, learning about the law, designing a building, painting a fence. This is good. Yeah. They don't want to talk about psychosocial risk factors really other than am I safe? Am I able to contribute? Etc. Like hmm. it's pretty vanilla. But they don't see this contrary to working no. hard. No, they go together. They go together. It's very possible they go together and maybe really hard work needs a bit of... It's not as black and white as... Um, it's not black and white. They're interconnected. But we need to still talk about work when we talk about these other things. Yeah, so absolutely respecting that we all need to be psychologically safe. We love that work and we, yeah. we do a lot of it. You get a cost to this risk assessment. Absolutely, let's keep yeah. the majority of people safe. Very, very important as well. And we've got new dashboards and things coming out with that. Yeah. But it is about this immense satisfaction of working hard, of making a difference, yeah. of getting to an outcome. And when you get the conversations merged together, mm. you start to think about what is the right environment which I can do my best work, my hardest work, really throw myself in to huge satisfaction. Mm. We start to get a pretty good space. I think we've spoken about this a lot and it's like sort of philosophical, but actually it's not that philosophical at all. It's very um, elementary, like foundational is if you look at, say, psychology, yeah, 10%, maybe 20% of any population have some abnormal psychology at a point in time. Yep. Roughly depends on which figures you look at, but call it sure. 1 in 10, 1 in 5. Yep. We, and we anchor all of our focus on that. That's really important. Those people need help at a point in time for yep. a period for their life. Okay. We don't often talk about the other 90%, 80%, whatever the other balance, depending on which equation. Yep. We don't talk about that. And that's how the conversation has gone in this one. is isn't about the 80 or 90% of people that want to do great work all the time. How do I do that better? How can it's, I help you great. do great work? How do work? I help you collect yep. it? We're anchoring it on psychosocial risk, negativity, not contribution, yep. which is a problem. So yep. in effect, we're we in go, the abnormal space opposed it, to the normal space, which is a It is, like we always say, it's the deficit conversation. Deficit what's conversation, wrong here? What do we yeah. need to fix? Yeah. What's hopeless? Yeah. As opposed to the fact that things are really good. So the yeah. things that are really good when it works really well are great accountability, great performance, great contribution, helping other people do a great contribution. Yeah. And, and it's those um, people who want to list off all the things that are wrong yeah. that you lose the conversation or any time to have the conversation around the things that are right. And really throwing, throwing yourself in. And another great conversation this week we had was with yeah. the Singapore Ministry of Manpower who are currently visiting Australia. Yeah. We've been meeting with them a little bit yeah, for a little have. while. Yeah, we have. <laughs> and, um, and their Institute of um, HR Professionals, which is mm-hmm. the Singaporean equivalent of um, Ari. Ari. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how they're navigating employees, small businesses, big businesses and unions to be yeah. more flexible and all at the table for how they design work. I, and I think what really refreshed me with that conversation is one, like, okay, so cool to be invited into that and yeah. asked to come and everything yeah, else is awesome, nice. awesome. But um, not realizing, even though Singapore is not all that far away, that a part of the world a little different to us, but a lot of people that have crossover in work and cultural backgrounds, etc., are actually pretty progressive in their thinking. I don't know all the history of Singapore, but where they are today is an open conversation about what employees, what's good for them, what's good for their economy, what's good for businesses, big and small, that was really open. And so where you see a delegation of people that are, you know, government focused, but really thinking about enablement, it's pretty cool. It's again, it's the growth strength based, get it right, what's good for everyone, opposed to the deficit, etc, etc, negative conversation about, I don't know, unions, worker rights, 
protectionism, whatever you want to call all those things. Um, that's a really energizing conversation about work. Yeah, and even when you find, um, like, obviously we grew up around unions our whole lives, but it's mm. when you see a really good union, they want sustainable working places. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're actually incredibly responsible. And yeah. if you can get to the table and design good work, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, for people that is sustainable for an organization, that's a bit of the holy grail. And I just think it's interesting having not been as close to unions and things like that. I think that the mindset that I have rightly or wrongly, and it's a assumption based, whatever, is that it's like HR fighting unions, you know, like, but because you work for the employer, not the, you know, like very complicated, depends (laughs) if you can ask, this is a whole podcast topic for another day. They go, holy crap, if union people are coming like those people we met yesterday from Singapore, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, how cool is that? What an interesting thing to work on. You're trying to make work better for more people, make businesses better, and you're right, sustainable. Yeah. Um, and growth-focused, as in growth of individual, growth of... I was like, that's amazing. How yeah. cool is that? Yeah, and to, to circle that back yeah, to the, the other piece, um, obviously growing up in Wollongong and being surrounded by unions your whole life, because mm. it's normal, Yeah. Um, you do know that unions are great. Like you, the, the reason we've got good, safe work practices and people don't die in mines and things yeah. like that is because the union did the right thing. The reason we work an eight-hour day is because the unions fought for it in 1840. Yeah. So we were, you know, they've, they've had a good role in Australian society for good. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it is really good. And then when you see how they come into this space in Singapore, you're like, wow, that's actually pretty cool. They're going to rethink the future of work right alongside each other. And yeah. hopefully that sort of ability to down swords and not be in battlegrounds will see us all come to the table and be more thoughtful. And I think the last one that I'd add in there, just their language they have was so cool, which was about job design or, and I think they're starting like the job redesign center or something, something yeah. like that. I'll get the words wrong. I don't want to ruin an announcement or something for them. <laughs> I don't think I will, but just thinking about the sort of positivity and receptivity of redesign versus, I don't know, restructure the economy like whatever the other language could be yeah it um, yeah. positivity and sort of engagement in let's make it better is it was really cool, cool. Yeah. and we always you just use the plain expression job design like it just yeah that's right whatever Straight your job in. is it can be better how can we do it better differently yeah. Yeah. that we make it more interesting tomorrow loved it more outcomes more accountability like all those things go together last thing we want to talk about was a really crazy example i had this week which was the impact so that great. we have so yeah I've written a blog on it. Um, it ended in a gigantic hug in the middle of a suited business meeting. Love that. Love that. <laughs> but it was wild. So I, do you want me to, shall I tell a story? You should it was tell a story. Cool. I, you need to tell it too, not me, even though I love it. And I feel like, yeah, it's yours. <laughs> so, so I walked in, I was presenting to um, 10 chief people officers, all very thoughtful people, good conversation, good discussion. Anyway, as it finished this, we're having coffee and saying goodbye and this woman came up to me she goes could we speak for a minute and I said sure 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 I think it was just a business sort of thing oh can we speak over there privately and I said sure okay (laughs) I'm not sure yeah okay I didn't know what it was about did your heart rate go up yeah yeah like oh I hope she hasn't got some terrible situation or something anyway anyway. so I went over to the corner and I'm like yes and um she said um you won't remember me but you presented to some people um in 2010 Cool. She was in this room of 100 people I presented to. And 2010, as you know, James, was a very uh, big year for us. We'd just lost my son the year before. So 2010 is a bit of a blur. Um, and I just won a bunch of prizes and awards and things. So they happened together, almost literally together. And so 2010, I don't remember much about it. But I presented and she said to me, you said this this comment when you were presenting. And I wrote it down and I've been carrying it around in my handbag ever since. Wow. Said, wow. 
what did I say? Because yeah. <laughs> I think I don't remember what it said. Yeah. Anyway, she pulled out this note, and and I do come from a long line of farmers and working class people, and we do tend to have those little mottos yeah. about North Star morality. You know, we do take the moral yeah. high ground with us, and I have a couple of them, and I do say them all the time. My kids tease me about the fact that I have these little mottos that I put out there. Anyway. This, I'm thinking, I hope it's not one of those goofy ones my kid sees me about. But she pulls out of her handbag this little notepad thing, crumpled bit of paper. And she said, um, in 2010, what you said was, um, whenever you walk into a room, you change it. And you get to choose what the change is. Mm. And I do say that. And mm. I do and do think that. that. And, do, and do that. Absolutely. <laughs> do do that. And yeah. I do like to hang out with other people who do that. There's... The people who sort of walk in and go, what can I do that's helpful and lifting the other people? Yeah. Um, but the fact that she pulled out of a handbag and told me about it and had it been carrying around for 13 years, um, yeah, blew, blew my mind and certainly made my day. Like for that's everything so cool. I did for her in 2010, in 2023, her pulling me aside to the corner of that serious room yeah. and pulling out a crumpled note from the bottom of her handbag... <laughs> Yeah. And showing it to me and telling me that that had stuck with her for 13 years yeah. um, was just sensational. It well, was great. There's so much cool stuff in that, but also that the words written on the paper were reenacted 13 years later. That's exactly what it what was. Which is what I think is so cool about it. It's so, so powerful. Cool. It's literally, I'm living your advice. And <laughs> let me remind you what it is with a physical, you know, thing. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I think when the world's so busy and everything else, those little whatever, you, I think you call them like farmer mottos or something. <laughs> Please don't quote me on that. But like those mottos or like they're these little moments of clarity you can keep coming back to when there's so much stuff in the world and clutter and noise or whatever, good and bad things. It's like those anchoring ones that go, here's a room, I can walk in, I can make it better. Like what the changes? It's awesome. Because mm. if that's all someone did and everyone did that, how much better would it be? <laughs> Super cool. I love that one so much. You know that I love that one. Awesome. I loved it too. And and then I saw another one a couple of hours later. I saw the beautiful Ronnie Khan, who is a great friend of ours. But mm. in all the tragedy of the Middle East, um, she could have just retreated to the back of the cave. She was actually in Tel Aviv as yeah. it started. Incredibly difficult time for the whole world. But she found compassion for everyone and put that out. She could have just been silent, but she didn't. And I just thought, what an extraordinary woman that she has put herself out there again when she's feeling pretty sad, like it's tough. Yeah, yeah. And and that sort of compassion, when you can find that compassion when you've got not much left, yeah. it's like, Phew, that is very cool. Changing the room. Changing the room. The world. The, room. Yeah, the world, the room, both. Um, it can extend beyond four walls. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Big room. Um, that's it from us. Loved it. Thank I love the conversation too. Thanks for listening, everybody. And as we always say, keep listening to each other. And hopefully from today, with a bit of silence, to hear other people's conversations, keep listening to us and keep listening to your own intuition. Thank you very much.